Section 15 of An Essay Concerning Human Understanding, Book 3 of Words, by John Locke. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Chapter 11 of The Remedies of the Forgoing Imperfections and Abuses of Words, Part 2. Section 17. Definitions can make moral discourse clear. This I have here mentioned, by the by, to show of what consequence it is for men, in their names of mixed modes, and consequently in all their moral discourses, to define their words when there is occasion. Since, thereby, moral knowledge may be brought to so great clearness and certainty. And it must be of great want of ingenuousness, to say no worse of it, to refuse to do it since a definition is the only way whereby the precise meaning of moral words can be known, and yet a way whereby their meaning may be known certainly, and without leaving any room for any contest about it. And therefore the negligence or perverseness of mankind cannot be excused, if their discourses in morality be not much more clear than those in natural philosophy. Since they are about ideas in the mind, which are none of them false or disproportionate, they having no external beings for the archetypes which they are referred to and must correspond with. It is far easier for men to frame in their minds an idea which shall be the standard to which they will give the name justice, with which pattern so made all actions that agree shall pass under that denomination, than having seen Aristides to frame an idea that shall in all things be exactly like him, who is as he is, let men make what idea they please of him. For the one, they need but know the combination of ideas that are put together in their own minds. For the other, they must inquire into the whole nature, an abstruse hidden constitution, and various qualities of a thing existing without them. Section 18. And is the only way in which the meaning of mixed modes can be made known. Another reason that makes the defining of mixed modes so necessary, especially of moral words, is what I mentioned a little before, viz. that it is the only way whereby the signification of the most of them can be known with certainty. For the ideas they stand for, being for the most part such whose component parts nowhere exist together, but scattered and mingled with others, it is the mind alone that collects them and gives them the union of one idea. And it is only by words enumerating the several simple ideas which the mind has united that we can make known to others what their names stand for, the assistance of the senses in this case not helping us, by the proposal of sensible objects, to show the ideas which our names of this kind stand for, as it does often in the names of sensible simple ideas, and also to some degree in those of substances. Section 19. In Substances, Both by Showing and by Defining. 3. Thirdly, for the explaining the signification of the names of substances, as they stand for the ideas we have of their distinct species, both the forementioned ways, viz., of showing and defining, are requisite, in many cases, to be made use of. For, there being ordinarily in each sort some leading qualities, to which we suppose the other ideas which make up our complex idea of that species annexed, we forwardly give the specific name to that thing wherein that characteristic mark is found, which we take to be the most distinguishing idea of that species. 
These leading or characteristical, as I may call them, ideas in the sorts of animals and vegetables are, as has been before remarked, chapter 6, section 29, and chapter 9, section 15, mostly figure, and in inanimate bodies, color, and in some both together. Now, section 20, ideas of the leading qualities of substances are best got by showing. These leading sensible qualities are those which make the chief ingredients of our specific ideas, and consequently the most observable and invariable part in the definitions of our specific names, as attributed to sorts of substances coming under our knowledge. For though the sound man, in its own nature, be as apt to signify a complex idea made up of animality and rationality, united in the same subject as to signify any other combination, yet used as a mark to stand for a sort of creatures we count of our own kind, Perhaps the outward shape is as necessary to be taken into our complex idea, signified by the word man, as any other we find in it. And therefore, why Plato's animal implume bipes latis unguibus should not be a good definition of the name man, standing for that sort of creatures, will not be easy to show. For it is the shape, as the leading quality, that seems more to determine that species than a faculty of reasoning, which appears not at first, and in some, never. And if this be not allowed to be so, I do not know how they can be excused from murder, who kill monstrous births, as we call them, because of an unordinary shape, without knowing whether they have a rational soul or no, which can be no more discerned in a well-formed than ill-shaped infant, as soon as born. And who is it has informed us that a rational soul can inhabit no tenement, unless it has just a sort of frontispiece, or can join itself to, and inform no sort of body, but one that is just of such an outward structure. Section 21. And can hardly be made known otherwise. Now these leading qualities are best made known by showing, and can hardly be made known otherwise. For the shape of a horse, or cassowary, will be but rudely and imperfectly imprinted on the mind by words. The sight of the animals doth it a thousand times better, and the idea of the particular color of gold is not to be got by any description of it, but only by the frequent exercise of the eyes about as is evident in those who are used to this metal, who frequently distinguish true from counterfeit, pure from adulterate, by the sight, where others who have as good eyes, but yet by use have not got the precise nice idea of that peculiar yellow, shall not perceive any difference. The like may be said of those other simple ideas, peculiar in their kind to any substance, for which precise ideas there are no peculiar names. The particular ringing sound there is in gold, distinct from the sound of other bodies, has no particular name annexed to it, no more than the particular yellow that belongs to that metal. Section 22. The ideas of the powers of substances are best known by definition. But because many of the simple ideas that make up our specific ideas of substances are powers which lie not obvious to our senses in the things as they ordinarily appear, therefore in the signification of our names of substances, some part of the signification will be better made known by enumerating those simple ideas than by showing the substance itself. For he that to the yellow shining color of gold got by sight shall 
from my enumerating them, have the ideas of great ductility, fusibility, fixedness, and solubility in agua regia will have a perfecter idea of gold than he can have by seeing a piece of gold and thereby imprinting in his mind only its obvious qualities. But if the formal constitution of this shining, heavy, ductile thing from whence all these its properties flow lay open to our senses, as the formal constitution or essence of a triangle does, the signification of the word gold might as easily be ascertained as that of triangle. Section 23. A Reflection on the Knowledge of Corporeal Things Possessed by Spirits Separate from Bodies. Hence we may take notice how much the foundation of all our knowledge of corporeal things lies in our senses, for how spirits, separate from bodies, whose knowledge and ideas of these things are certainly much more perfect than ours, know them. We have no notion, no idea at all. The whole extent of our knowledge or imagination reaches not beyond our own ideas limited to our ways of perception. Though yet it be not to be doubted that spirits of a higher rank than those immersed in flesh may have as clear ideas of the radical constitution of substances as we have of a triangle, and so perceive how all their properties and operations flow from thence, but the manner how they come by that knowledge exceeds our conceptions. Section 24. Ideas of substances must also be conformable to things. Fourthly, but, though definitions will serve to explain the names of substances as they stand for our ideas, yet they leave them not without great imperfection as they stand for things. For our names of substances, being not but barely for our ideas, but being made use of ultimately to represent things, and so are put in their place, their signification must agree with the truth of things as well as with men's ideas. And therefore, in substances, we are not always to rest in the ordinary complex idea commonly received as the signification of that word, but must go a little further and inquire into the nature and properties of the things themselves, and thereby perfect, as much as we can, our ideas of their distinct species, or else learn from them such as are used to that sort of things and are experienced in them. For since it is intended their names should stand for such collections of simple ideas as do really exist in things themselves, as well as for the complex idea in other men's minds, which in their ordinary acceptation they stand for, therefore, to define their names right, natural history is to be inquired into, and their properties are, with care and examination, to be found out. For it is not enough for the avoiding inconveniences in discourse and arguings about natural bodies and substantial things to have learned, from the propriety of the language, the common but confused or very imperfect idea to which each word is applied, and to keep them to that idea in our use of them. But we must, by acquainting ourselves with the history of that sort of things, rectify and settle our complex idea belonging to each specific name, and in discourse with others, if we find them mistake us, we ought to tell what the complex idea is that we make such a name stand for. This is the more necessary to be done by all those who search after knowledge and philosophical verity, in that children, being taught words, whilst they have but imperfect notions of things, apply them at random and without much thinking, and seldom frame determined ideas to be signified by them. Which custom, it being easy and serving well enough for the ordinary affairs of life and conversation, they are apt to continue when they are men. 
and so being at the wrong end, learning words first imperfectly, but make the notions to which they apply those words afterwards very overtly. By this means it comes to pass that men speaking the language of their country, i.e. according to grammar rules of that language, do yet speak very improperly of things themselves, and, by their arguing one with another, make but small progress in the discoveries of useful truths and the knowledge of things, as they are to be found in themselves and not in our imaginations, and it matters not much for the improvement of our knowledge how they are called. Section 25. Not easy to be made so. It were therefore to be wished that men versed in physical inquiries and acquainted with the several sorts of natural bodies would set down those simple ideas wherein they observe the individuals of each sort constantly to agree. This would remedy a great deal of that confusion which comes from several persons applying the same name to a collection of a smaller or greater number of sensible qualities, proportionably as they have been more or less acquainted with or accurate in examining the qualities of any sort of things which come under one denomination. But a dictionary of this sort containing, as it were, a natural history requires too many hands as well as too much time, cost, pains, and sagacity ever to be hoped for. Until that be done, we must content ourselves with such definitions of the names of substances as explain the sense men use them in. And it would be well, where there is occasion, if they would afford us so much. This, yet, is not usually done. But men talk to one another, and dispute in words whose meaning is not agreed between them, out of a mistake that the significations of common words are certainly established, and the precise ideas they stand for perfectly known, and that it is a shame to be ignorant of them. Both which suppositions are false, no names of complex ideas having so settled determined significations, that they are constantly used for the same precise ideas. Nor is it a shame for a man to have a certain knowledge of anything, but by the necessary ways of attaining it. And so it is no discredit not to know what precise idea any sound stands for in another man's mind, without he declare it to me by some other way than barely using that sound, there being no other way, without such a declaration certainly to know it. Indeed, the necessity of communication by language brings men to an agreement in the signification of common words within some tolerable latitude that may serve for ordinary conversation. And so a man cannot be supposed wholly ignorant of the ideas which are annexed to words by common use in a language familiar to him. But common use being but a very uncertain rule, which reduces itself at last to the ideas of particular men, proves often but a very variable standard. But though such a dictionary, as I have above mentioned, will require too much time, cost, and pains to be hoped for in this age, yet methinks it is not unreasonable to propose that words standing for things which are known and distinguished by their outward shapes should be expressed by little drafts and prints made of them. A vocabulary made after this fashion would perhaps with more ease, and in less time, teach the true signification of many terms especially in languages of remote countries or ages, and settle truer ideas in men's minds of several things, whereof we read the names in ancient authors than all the large and laborious comments of learned critics. Naturalists that treat of plants and animals have found the benefit of this way, and he that has had occasion to consult them will have reason to confess that he has a clearer idea of apium or ibex 
from a little print of that herb or beast than he could have from a long definition of the names of either of them. And so no doubt he would have of Sturgill and Sistrum, if instead of Curicombe and Symbol, which are the English names dictionaries render them by, he could see stamped in the margins small pictures of these instruments as they were in use amongst the ancients. Toga, tunica, pallium are words easily translated by gown, coat, and cloak but we have thereby no more true ideas of the fashion of those habits amongst the Romans than we have of the faces of the tailors who made them. Such things as these which the eye distinguishes by their shapes would be best left into the mind by drafts made of them, and more determine the signification of such words than any other words set for them, or made use of to define them. But this is only by the by. Section 26. 5. Fifth Remedy to use the same word constantly in the same sense. Fifthly, if men will not be at the pains to declare the meaning of their words and definitions of their terms are not to be had, yet this is the least that can be expected, that, in all discourses wherein one man pretends to instruct or convince another, he should use the same word constantly in the same sense. If this were done, which nobody can refuse without great disingenuity, Many of the books extant might be spared. Many of the controversies in dispute would be at an end. Several of those great volumes, swollen with ambiguous words, now used in one sense, and by and by in another, would shrink into a very narrow compass, and many of the philosophers, to mention no other, as well as poets' works, might be contained in a nutshell. Section 27. When not so used, the variation is to be explained. But after all, the provision of words is so scanty in respect to that infinite variety of thoughts that men, wanting terms to suit their precise notions, will, notwithstanding their utmost caution, be forced often to use the same word in somewhat different senses. And though in the continuation of a discourse, or the pursuit of an argument, there can be hardly room to digress into a particular definition, as often as a man varies the signification of any term, yet the import of the discourse will, for the most part, if there be no designed fallacy, sufficiently lead candid and intelligent readers into the true meaning of it. But where there is not sufficient to guide the reader, there it concerns the writer to explain his meaning and show in what sense he there uses that term. End of section 15. End of an essay concerning human understanding, book three of words, by John Locke.